Well, Emily is coming up here to have our um, special music. I was handed this. Um, it's a pamphlet that tells you about the new devotionals in 2023. And there will be a deacon at the back at the end of the service handing them out so that you can order your 2023 devotionals. Happy Sabbath.
Matthew 1, 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a blessed week. Thank you so much for um, all the everyone who's participated today. Uh, it takes all of us in various ways to uh, for a church. We're dependent on one another for a church to function. So thank you all so much for your participation and whatever means that may be, even if it's just uh, uh, being here, or being present. We're all very important in, uh, in God's kingdom. Um, uh, we're going to uh, continue our thoughts. If you recall, last time I had to go very quickly to get through the sermon, and I was outlining just kind of the, the scriptural basis for uh, the Messiah, who the Messiah was, how do we know that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we'll be continuing, because it's the Christmas season, we're going to be continuing our thoughts about Jesus and uh, specifically God with us. What does that mean? What are the implications of God with us? And uh, so that's where we'll continue on uh, our, our thought process this morning. Um, but before I begin the sermon today, I would like to pray and ask the Lord to be with us just one more time. Kind Father in heaven, we're so grateful again for this opportunity to be here. Thank you so much for everyone who is present. And Lord, we're praying for a special blessing, uh, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to please be with us today, that you would draw us closer to yourself, that you would manifest yourself to us in some way. We thank you so much, Lord. Um, I'm praying that the words that are spoken today uh, come directly from your throne, and that, Lord, we would be drawn closer to you as a result of our time together. We thank you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, As I was saying last time, we were outlining... Uh, who the Messiah would be, the lineage that he would come through, and where he would be born, and when he would be born. And one of the signs that God gave to us that we discussed is found in Isaiah 7.14. And it says that a virgin would conceive, she would give birth to a son, she would call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Kaylee just uh, um, outlined the, uh, the, the fulfillment of that in... Uh, did I mispronounce your name? Okay, all right, sorry. Um, just, she highlighted the fulfillment of that, or as Matthew saw in Matthew chapter 1, that the virgin would conceive, give birth to a son, and we would call his name Emmanuel, and it would mean God with us. And so, as I was contemplating God with us, what does that mean? It, I think it has several different meanings. It has several different implications, Uh, that come along with it. We could consider how Jesus physically came, how he was he was born, how he God became flesh and he dwelt among us. We can think about that literal physical act of God in human flesh walking and dwelling among us. And as I was I was I was just highlighting, um, you know, this is uh, we see this fulfillment in Jesus Christ. We see him condescending. We see God, the creator God, condescending to 
to the, to the level of human beings. I'm sorry, my thought process is not that clear this morning. I've got some sort of sinus congestion. It is not COVID, thank you, uh, thankfully. And so, but uh, you'll just have to bear with me. My thoughts are a little cloudy, um, but I'm going to try to get through this. Um, and so, as I said, Jesus came. He left eternal bliss. He left perfection to dwell in our sinful cesspool, so to speak. He came, lived as a human being. We think of God with us, the man. He was literally here. So we see that fulfillment in Jesus. He came in, the, uh, he, he came in order that humankind could have eternal life once more. You see, in the beginning, uh, we, we read about this um, in Genesis chapter 3, when mankind sinned against God. Um, we had to, he, he promised he was going to send a substitute. He was going to send, send a promised seed. Um, and we would no longer be bound by sin and Satan forever. He was going to send a Savior. And he told us that in Genesis chapter 3. Beginning right off, as soon as sin entered this planet, he promised that a Redeemer would come. And Jesus came, <clears throat> as outlined in the Bible. And that's good news for us, amen? Good news that while we were condemned to die, God says, don't, don't panic, I'm going to send you a redeemer. I'm going to send someone to take your place, someone to take your penalty, to give his life. <clears throat> so that's good news for us. This other, another implication that I was thinking about, that Jesus made a way of eternal life, he, he, he made a way for us to be a part of his kingdom once more. He would lay down his life, take it up again in order that we might have eternal life. <clears throat> Jesus did this so that we can live in his kingdom that he is going to set up. Eternal life would be restored to the human race through him. That's good news, amen? That we would have the ability to live with God eternally once more. That's what Jesus was coming to bridge that gap. There was many prophecies that pointed to his coming and it took 4,000 years from the original promise. <clears throat> and Jesus wants us to dwell in his kingdom and I believe that that kingdom is coming soon. Um, and there's several different reasons why uh, we read about in the book of Daniel. Does anybody remember Daniel chapter 2? The outline of the kingdom. So you had the kingdom of Babylon, Medo-Persia, the kingdom of Greece, and then the kingdom of Rome. And then we're living, we're currently living in the time of the divided nations. And that's when Jesus Christ's kingdom comes. That's when the rock strikes the image. And that's when his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom, will be set up. And the Bible says that it's a kingdom without end. It's an eternal, everlasting kingdom. Jesus wants us to be a part of his kingdom. So I'm so thankful that Jesus came, that he came to live as a human being. He was born just like the rest of us, except for he was born of a virgin. His birth is, is, an, you know, is of divine origin. It's impossible, humanly speaking. We cannot replicate it. I'm so thankful that he came to live a perfect life because we had no hope of ever doing so on our own. He came, he dwelt among us in order to make it possible to be a part of his kingdom once more. God was with us, God with us in human flesh. You know, I don't understand this God. He creates a perfect world. 
He gives humanity dominion over the perfect world. Humanity forfeits their dominion, and we, we give our homage to uh, another leader. And so in order to win back the kingdom, this God condescends, he becomes a human being, he lives a perfect life as a human being, gives his life as, as a person, and then he's resurrected, and eventually he's going to recreate everything, and he's going to give it back to humanity once again. So he came, lived, died, and now he's going to give it all back. And I'm sitting here thinking, boy, I would be a little leery, like, you know, giving it back to these ones who already made a mess of it already. But God knows what he's doing. And it's not about us. It's not about what we can do. It's about the work that he's doing in us. He knows what he's doing. And he, he's, he's preparing us all. The vetting process for that kingdom is occurring right now. Those who would choose Christ dying daily to self every single day, choosing him. Whosoever believes in him doesn't have to perish anymore. We can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's going to recreate the earth and give the keys back to humanity once again. Um, Another aspect, another implication, I'll say, as we look and see in the life of Jesus as God in human flesh, God among us, um, he showed us who the Father really was. He showed us in his life that in his kingdom, there's not going to be any more pain or sickness or death. He showed us that in his kingdom, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be uh, uh, bliss and righteousness. It's going to be a wonderful place to be. Um, we see that in the beginning, and we see in Jesus, as he's walking among us, the things that he's doing, there's not going to be any sickness anymore. There's not going to be, he has the power to reverse death itself. We see that. He's revealing, he's revealing the Father to us. That's what he told us. You remember Philip in John 14, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will suffice us. And he says, haven't I been with you all this time? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He's revealing the Father to us. <clears throat> he came, he even told us that in John 14, 15, 16, 17. He said, he said, I did not come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. God with us. God physically walking among us. He said, the words that you hear me speak, they don't come from me. They come from the Father. He said, the things that you see me do, they don't, they're not my works. They come from the Father. He's revealing God to us. He is God with us. I think of all these wonderful things that he physically came. He gave us the promise of eternal life. I'm looking forward to that, right? I'm looking forward to his kingdom. It gives me perspective here and now that I don't want to forfeit my eternal kingdom or my crown for you know, whatever sinful habit that I might get wrapped up in here. It gives me perspective. But however, as I was contemplating, we're 2,000 years removed from the time of Jesus. You know, he was God with us. He was walking among men. But there was very few people in the grand scheme of things who got to interact with God in human flesh during his brief little 33 and a half year life. Over the course of 6,000 years, the untold billions of people, very few got to experience Christ walking among them. 
I didn't get to see Jesus face to face. I didn't get to interact with Him. I believe He's the long-awaited Savior. I'm looking forward to His coming kingdom. I'm looking forward to the pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, so to speak. But the part that I love the most about God with us is that God with us. God is with me as a result of Christ's time here on this earth. You see, when Jesus was here, he told us in John chapter 14, 15, 16, that he was going to send a comforter to be with us. He was going to send the spirit of truth who would guide us into all truth. He was going to send, uh, he was going to be the wonderful counselor that we read about in Isaiah chapter 9. God with us. He said that this ambassador would convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He said, in the same way that Jesus was here reflecting the Father to humanity, the same way he was reflecting God's character, the Holy Spirit, he said, would not speak on his own, but he would speak that which I tell him, meaning Jesus. He's a reflection of Jesus. Jesus is a reflection of the Father. The Holy Spirit, is now the reflection of Jesus to us. It's a similar relationship. Because of Jesus living, walking, giving us this promise 2,000 years ago, He said He would send the Holy Spirit to us. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, let's read a couple of verses here. John chapter 14. And I'm going to read a few verses, 15 through 18. And it reads, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, God, with us. This is the greatest gift that Christ could have given us. In His human flesh, He was limited by where He was geographically. He was a human being. But now He has the ability to be all present, everywhere, at all times, in the person of His Holy Spirit. He gave us the greatest gift that He could give, God actually with us. He says He will be in us, the Bible says. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. There's another place where He says, we, uh, I'll read it a little bit later. He says, my father, he will, we will come and make our home with him or her, whoever desires to receive this gift. Through the Spirit, Jesus is always with us. My favorite part of God with us is just that, is the fact that God is with me at all times. 
You see, it's, one, it's a wonderful thing to think about that Jesus was here. It's a wonderful thing to look forward to his coming kingdom. But in my ADHD 21st century brain, like I need a little bit more interaction than just that. Okay, I need a little bit more. I'm looking forward to all of those things. But to have a comforter, to have a counselor, to have a voice of truth, to have someone that I can vent to at all times, to have someone who can change and has changed my life, that is something else altogether. Someone who I can pray to and he can actually do something about it. He doesn't, know, he doesn't think anything differently of me as I'm pouring out my soul to him because he already knows who I am. I'm not changing his view of me as I share my, my sorrows, as I share my worries, as I share my woes. He doesn't think anything different of me. He's here to be the helper. He's a wonderful counselor. He's always there. <clears throat> I can take my deepest thoughts, my worries, my fears, my anxieties to him, casting all of my cares upon him because he cares for me. I can take them all to him and he can actually do something about the situation. If I'm pouring all of my worries on human beings, like there is a point of venting and we can help people, we can help each other, you know, um, sometimes we can help each other solve problems, solve issues in minor ways, right? Friends can help us if we have a close friend. But for me, this growing up in the home that I grew up in, this was Jesus. This, he was the only one that I could trust. I couldn't vent everything to my parents, or I couldn't vent everything to my family. And I quickly learned that Jesus could actually do something about it. I don't want to, you know, in my life today, I don't want to share worry with people. I don't want to share fear with people. I want to share the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that I want to share in the world that I live in today. Because I've just, in my experience with Christ, He's the only one who's ever been able to actually do something in a grand scale, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so I take my worries, my anxieties to him. I don't want to be a part of the problem in our world today. There's enough fear-mongering. There's enough being shared in the news that are causing panic and pandemonium among people. I don't want to share those things. I want to share the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to share the good news about a Savior that has changed my life. When I gave my life to Christ, He has done something with it that I never could have imagined. He's done something with my life that I never could have pre-planned. He's done something with my life that I had no idea where I would be when I gave my life to Him as as a teenage person. You give your life to God, and he, I remember being 17 trying to find out, what, it, what am I even here for? And that's when my journey began, because a teacher asked me, asked our whole class in psychology, what is the purpose of your existence? And that set me on a track to find out, what am I here for? 
And I gave my life to God because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But he made me for something. So I'm just going to trust that he knows what he's doing. And that's where the journey began. I couldn't have planned it on my own. I love God. I praise him that he had a plan for me and that he has a plan for you too. God is with us. God is with me. God is with you in your day-to-day life, or at least he desires to be. If God is with me, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is with me, what do I have to worry about in this world? When I listen to the promises of God, and it tells me that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, not according to the resources that exist on this planet, according to what he has, which is an infinite amount, because God can speak and that thing can come to pass immediately. Why would I worry when I, when I serve the God of the universe? <clears throat> we serve a God who can speak things into existence according to the book of Genesis. He speaks and they appear from nothing. He provides for his people. That's why the stories of the Bible, like Elijah during the time of the famine, that's why they exist. Because we can say, oh, if the Lord took care of Elijah during the three and a half years of famine... And whether the birds were bringing him food or whether the widow was, God was providing through the widow, if God can do that for Elijah, he can do the same thing for me today. That's why those stories exist. To show us what God is capable of doing and saying to ourselves, if God can do that for them, he can do the same thing for me today. If he took care of his people in the past, and if he's with me, he can take care of me today. I don't have to worry about anything. In our world today, we we think about the news, the headlines, that difficult times are coming if they're not here already. So worry and and anxiety is very much a part of our, our lives because there's so much that is out of our control. And human beings panic when they don't have control. I mean, our the control that we have in this life is very much an illusion. It's not real. You don't have any control over anything. Um, The breath that we breathe comes from God himself. Um, We are very much dependent on God if we don't realize it. Even whether we realize it or not, we are dependent upon God. Uh, I shared this with the, uh, the group at Rapids last week. I'm going to share it again. Dealing with worry, dealing with anxiety. Uh, Oswald Chambers has a quote that I, I memorized when I was probably that 17, 18, 19 years old, when I was first becoming a Christian, I used to read Oswald Chambers a lot. He was a 19th, late 19th century, maybe he was early 20th century theologian. And he one time, he, I read a quote, I don't remember the book, I don't remember where it was at, it's been a number of years since I've read any of his material, but he said, he said one time that worry is a sign that God is not the center of your life. Worry is a sign that God is not the center of your life. You have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear when God is with you. God is with us. That's my favorite part about Christ's coming, the the promise of the Spirit, having this ongoing 
person by my side at all times is my favorite part, is God with me. We serve a God who has the power to reverse death itself. If God can do that, then what, what, left, what is there left for us to worry about? If he has the ability to reverse death itself, what else is there? Paul says in Romans chapter 8, if the Spirit, the Spirit who dwelt, who raised Christ from the dead, is in you, he will also raise you up at the last day. If we're living in the Spirit, we're yielding to the Spirit, we're walking in the Spirit, being guided by the Spirit on a daily basis, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also raise us. God with us. God in us. God helping us at all times. It means a lot of things. It means I'm not going to be a slave of sin forever. It means that God is going to guide my life. That He's going to guide my steps. He says He was going to put His Spirit within us and cause us to walk according to His statutes, according to His judgments, His commandments. God with us, guiding us, keeping us in the center of His will. As we yield to the Spirit on a daily basis, we are living in the Spirit. God with us, a constant companion. <clears throat> As I was outlining before, when human beings go through crises or go through difficulty, they're usually in a state of anxiety or panic because they don't have control or a sense of control. But it's not so with the Christian. Not so with the follower or believer of, in Christ because We have God with us. As Jesus says, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Paul says that the Spirit or that God, that Jesus is giving us a peace that passes our understanding, meaning it makes no sense. So, in other words, you're in a state of state of pandemonium, or you may be in a state of panic, or or you're circumstances that maybe would cause panic in other people. But you have a a sense of peace because you know that God is with you. That's why Paul was able to sing in prison. That's why Peter was able to sing. That's why Peter was able to uh, do what... That's why... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself with that story. That's why Paul was able to sing in prison because he had the Prince of Peace with him today. Do you want to experience that peace in the world that you live in today? Do you have things that disrupt your peace? God wants to be with you. God desires to give you His peace in the world that we live in. Whatever location I'm in, whatever mental or spiritual state I'm in, God can always be with us in the person of His Spirit. We see in the Bible whether a person is in the palace like King David or in the depths of prison like Daniel in the lion's den, God is always with us. Daniel experienced a peace that made no sense. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced a peace in the midst of their trial because God was with them. The mighty God. 
wonderful counselor. He can do anything for us. He can shut the mouths of lions. He can preserve us in the midst of a fiery furnace. He can transform who we are. He can transform our lives. <clears throat> you know, I, I'm not sure if I've... Uh, I grew up in a, um, I'll say nominally Christian home. Um, my parents were raised by alcoholics. Uh, they grew up in alcoholic homes, both of them. And so when I was six, seven, eight years old, that's what my life was like up until that time, time frame. And around that six, probably seven or eight years old is when they, we transitioned. We started going to church every Sunday. And it was like, I mean, I was a little kid, but I remember the transformation, like where we're, we're not, they're not doing this anymore. They quit their drinking. They quit their, their smoking. And we were in church every Sunday. And, um, you know, and, and praise God for that. Uh, that's, that was an early Christian influence for me. However, aside from the drinking and the smoking, Christianity never really made it out of the church, even into the parking lot. You know, the way we treated each other at home, uh, our, our normal kind of gossip, very condescending minds of other people, that never changed. And um, I remember, you know, uh, years later, as I'm a Christian, and, and um, you know, my parents were very critical of, of, uh, of, of anyone for any reason, you know, whether it was uh, the way they looked or their uh, financial status or, or whatever it was, there was always something to critique or criticize someone for. And I don't know why that was. It was just the nature that we had. Uh, we all have our born with hereditary tendencies. And this is what I got. Um, and I just think it's just the nature of the home that they grew up in. Anyway, um, as I grew in my Christian walk, my 20s probably by this time, at some point in time, the Holy Spirit convicted me as I'm talking about God with us, as I'm talking about a constant friend, as I'm talking about uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. That's what I'm talking about right now the ability of the Spirit to transform our circumstances. For me, this was a huge thing. Um, you know, at some point in time, the Holy Spirit convicted me like, you know, who is who's the original gossiper? And I'm like, well, that was Satan in heaven because he was gossiping about God. And he was, you know, he was uh, talking about God's character, you know, maligning his character, and he was trying to gain a following. And uh, spreading falsehood, you know, gossip. And who's the accuser? Who's always criticizing and pointing out the faults of other people? And I'm like, well, that's Satan too, because he's the accuser of the brethren. And so the Holy Spirit was like, then who are you reflecting when you're thinking, behaving, and, and talking this way about other people? And, uh, and I'm sitting there, you know, because conviction hits you hard a lot of times. Praise God for that. And I felt really convicted about this. And I said, wow, I'm not reflecting God. I'm reflecting Satan. I am reflecting the attributes of Satan right now. I'm not reflecting the character of God. And so this is what I am so thankful for. God with us. God working in us. And I had to pray. And I said, Lord, I can't do anything about this. I've been, this is how I've thought. This is how I've behaved 
all these years, it's very natural just to flow into this conversation. I need you to transform who I am. I need you to transform the way that I think. Because I couldn't meet somebody new without some level of feeling of, I'll say, um, being threatened, feeling threatened, like somehow... This person, I don't know if they're, not that they're going to harm me, but, you know, just, just a condescending mind, like, oh, they might be better than me in some way. So I need to somehow build a case against them for why I don't like them. And that's just the way that I grew up. And that's the way that I thought. And so I began praying because I was like, Lord, I am not in harmony with you. I am, I am, I am in league with Satan on this, but I want to reflect you. I want to reflect your character. I want to be in your kingdom. I want to reflect your kingdom. And so I began praying. And I don't know how long it took. I don't know if it was years. I don't know what happened. But I just looked back at some point in my life and I said, boy, I'm not doing that anymore. And I would catch myself. If I started to, I would start to pray. Lord, help me. My mind is going that way. I'm being critical. I'm not looking at this person the way that you look at this person. So Lord, help me. And that's what I love about the the comforter, the counselor, God with me, is he is able to help me overcome those hereditary tendencies. And for me, that's probably the greatest miracle that we could experience. Because the battle with self is the greatest battle that we will each face in our lives. As we yield to the conviction of the Spirit, we are walking in the Spirit. We are living out the will of God for us in that moment. As we walk and yield to the Spirit. We serve a God who can transform our evil nature and make us like Him. Now I joyfully meet new people. Now I joyfully get to, I'm not suspicious anymore of people. Because Christ has transformed my life. And now as a pastor, as a a minister of the gospel, I love meeting new people. And I love hearing their story. And I love um, seeing the Spirit work in other people's lives. We have a constant, because of God with me. That's the thing that I'm, I'm most thankful for. Yes, I'm looking forward to eternal life. I'm looking for, I praise God that Jesus came and lived as a human being and showed us how to live in these pages. Showed us God the Father. I'm going to be overjoyed when we all get to that kingdom. I'm looking forward to it. It gives me hope here and now. It gives me perspective But when I get there, as I consider my place, it will only be because God was with me every step of the way in my earthly life. I will only be there because of his work here. I'm so glad that Jesus came. I'm so thankful for the words of John 14, 18, when he promised that he would not leave us as orphans, He would send His Spirit to be with us. God with us. Always with me. Always encouraging me. Giving me hope. Giving me peace in troublesome times. 
guiding me into all truth when I so desperately was looking for it, breaking the bands of sin, setting me free, comforting me when I thought there was no hope. John 14, 23 reads, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God with us. He didn't just give us a Savior. He didn't just give us the hope of eternal life. He promised to be with us always even to the end of the age. You remember that promise in Matthew 28. Go into all the world, baptize, teach, preach everything that I've taught you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you know him today? Is God with you today? Have you experienced his peace have you experienced what it's like to be able to, for, for the Holy Spirit to trans, convict you, recognizing wrong, and to transform your life? Because we can't do the transforming ourselves. All we can do is respond to the conviction and say, oh yeah, I'm out of harmony with God here. Lord, I need you to do something about it because I can't do anything about it. I can't change myself. I can try, but we've all made New Year's resolutions that amounted to what? It is only God does the convicting and then he does the work in you if you so desire him to do it. That's why Jesus, that's why we're going to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet because we didn't do anything. All we did was respond to conviction. I wouldn't have known that was wrong if you hadn't told me, if I hadn't read it in the word of God and the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted me. I wouldn't have known anything. It's a gift of God. Do you know Him today? Is He with you today? If it's your desire to have this counselor, this comforter, to have peace in your life, to have joy in your life, if you desire to be in harmony with God, I invite you to stand with me just now as we pray together. And pray for this gift of God with us. Let's pray. Kind Father in heaven, Lord, we're so thankful for all that you have done for us. There's so much that we don't even know, fathom, or even grasp here and now. But we know about eternal life. We know that Jesus walked on this planet Lord, right now, we want to experience that continual, ongoing aspect that you promised to each one of us, God with us, that your spirit would guide us, that you would comfort us, that you would lead us into all truth. You see our hearts and minds, Lord, as we consider Jesus in this Christmas season. I pray that he would abide in the person of his spirit in each of our hearts, that you would fill us, that you would draw us closer to you, Convict us. Do the work that you promised to do. Finish the work that you have started as you promised that you would. We need you, Father. We can do nothing of ourselves. Please be with us. I pray for a special blessing of your spirit with each of these people here today. Bless each person and family represented. 
We love you, Lord. Please go with us as we go out from here. Help us to share the hope that we have to share this precious gift with the world around us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now sing our closing hymn.